again. I want to thank uh, Pastor Brian for giving me another opportunity to be here tonight. But uh, I've been, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 tonight. I've been studying for something and uh, in my personal life, God's been dealing with me and the way the service has gone tonight. Uh, I believe God has ministered to me and ministered to us tonight and I'm going to go, I I just got to preach out of my heart tonight, so this is going to be a freelance (laughs) type of deal tonight, but I do appreciate the uh, opportunity to be here. Um, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start with verse 13, very familiar scripture. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they, and they said, some say that you were John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. One translation says it this way. One translation says that whatever we bind here on earth has to already be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose here on earth has to already have been loosed in heaven. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying you can only loose and bind things here on the earth according to that which is already the will and established in heaven. And so I thought about this and the way that the service has gone and everything and what God has been ministered to me on. I'll I'll just tell you a story about where I was and I just want to exhort you for a few minutes tonight. I I don't know how much preaching will do, but I just want to exhort you tonight just based from uh, preaching from my heart. And the other day, Melinda and I have been believing God for something and, and, uh, you know, we've been believing God for a while and, uh, man, things started to kind of go wrong and, and... I just told Melinda, I said, you know what, honey, I need to get alone and and I just need to begin to praise and worship God. Because if I praise and worship God, he'll come into my atmosphere and meet me where I'm at and he'll begin to to work on this situation. And (laughs) I went into my room there and I began to praise God. I began to worship God. And man, I was really into it emotionally. I began to cry and raise my hands and jump around and, and I looked silly if you would have walked in and And God said something to me in my heart that stopped me in my tracks. He said, I can't accept it. It got real quiet. That's that's the same way it was at the moment that it happened to me. There was a reason, and and I said God's been ministering to this this to me and to my heart. Uh, Maybe this is just for me tonight, but, but God began to show me. He said, why did you come in this room? I said, God, I've got to hear from you. I've got to have you in my presence. I've got to have you take care of this situation for me. I said, and I know if I praise you, that the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. I know that if I begin to praise you, I know you're going to show up and you're going to take care of this situation for me. I know that if I begin to lift you up, that you're going to show up and you're going to show off and this thing's going to be taken care of. But they asked me, he said, but where's your heart? Why are you in this room? And I had to admit, I'm here because I need you to do something for me. 
true praise and worship cannot be centered on me or you. It cannot be centered on our need. It cannot be centered because I need to move the hand of God. It, this isn't a very, this isn't a, an applauding message, I know. God began to uh, open my heart to myself this week to let me understand uh, the things that I do can't just be religious and out of repetition. And I can't come to him uh, expecting to receive something only so that he can meet my need and take care of my situation. In other words, the, the, the Jim Totten translation of that is he's not my sugar daddy. He, he is not my sugar daddy. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that I should praise and worship him because of who he is. In, in this scripture that we read right here, it's funny if you read a little bit before it, uh, Jesus had been ministering and, and debating with Sadducees and Pharisees and, and Jesus ends that and he begins to go to the other side of the river there, or the lake there and it says that the disciples forgot to bring the bread. They forgot to bring bread with them. Just real simple footnote there. It's in verse 5. It says, they were going and it says, the disciples forgot to bring the bread. And Jesus is there. It's time to eat. And Jesus begins to talk to them and tell them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He begins to try to speak to their heart and he tries to begin to tell them, be careful of the doctrine that they're preaching because it's not the same doctrine that I've taught you as my disciples. But the disciples begin to murmur among themselves and say, is Jesus upset because we forgot to bring the bread? Is he saying this because we forgot to bring lunch or dinner or whatever it is? Is this why Jesus is speaking this to us? And Jesus said, he said, how long have you been, how, how long have I been with you, oh, ye hypocrites? Don't you remember what I did with the two loaves and the, or the five loaves of uh, bread and the two fish? Don't you remember the second time when I fed over 4,000? Don't you remember all the baskets you picked up and walked away with? And sometimes I think it would do us good to look back and remember what he's done for us. Because if you begin to look back and say what he's done for you, it will begin to stir yourself up and you'll begin to say, look, no matter my situation that I'm going through, you are God and God alone. I believe that he's my healer. I believe that he's my savior. I believe that he's my provider. But if I never walk in the full manifestation of any of it, he is still God and I don't praise him so I can receive my healing. I don't praise him so I can receive money. I don't receive him so I can receive all this good stuff and, and, and unfortunately in the church, we, we've taught uh, praise and worship and seeking the face of God. We've taught the right facts and the right principles. Because if you do praise God, he does inhabit the praises of his people. He will show up. But Paul and Silas were in, in a prison. And the reason they got there is because they cast a devil out of a woman and got her free. The woman was free, and because of that, it says that the, the Bible says that they were whipped and they were thrown into not just jail, but to the inner, the inner parts of jail, the dungeon, the worst part. And it says at the midnight hour, they began to praise and worship God, and they began to sing songs unto God, and it says that something began to happen. It says that the atmosphere began to shake and God came down and he took all the chains that were not only had them bound, but had everyone in the jailhouse bound and the, the chains fell off of them and all the prison doors opened up so they had the ability to walk into their freedom. But I've got news for you. God could have never shown up if they were praising to get. 
Listen, I believe that when we praise God, I believe it. I've done it. I've seen it. You've experienced it. When I begin to praise God and I've got nowhere else to turn to and I begin to praise God, He always shows up for me. He is always faithful to me. Even when I'm not faithful, the Bible tells me he is always faithful to me. He is always faithful to me. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his covenant. He is faithful to do what he said he would do in my life. But the reason that we praise him, the reason that we worship him, the reason that we seek him is because he is good. He is a good God. And when I begin to look back over my life and I think of all the times, no matter how bad it is right now, I know if he brought me out then, he'll bring me out now. But even in the midst of standing in the fiery furnace, I will praise and I will worship him. And I cannot bow my knee to anybody, especially myself. So often we have gone and we've began to prostitute praise and worship in the church. We begin to sell ourselves out. And so what happens is, 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 is you go to one of two extremes. On the one hand, there is no praise, adoration, or worship in the house. Because it's all about us. We don't do that here. We don't raise our hand. We don't act a fool. You've heard this cliche for years. You go to a ball game and you act like a fool. You come to church and you sit. And that's the truth. But on the other aspect of it, You've got people that are into a praise. They're just doing the thing because that's what we're supposed to do. Or, or we begin to go and, and we begin to try to get ourselves on a platform somewhere. Always fighting and bickering. I know growing up in church, I saw this a lot. I, I remember uh, uh, growing up in a uh, non-denominational church and I'd see this all the time. And, and, and not that it was necessarily bad. I believe God speaks to us. I believe God uh, calls us to do things. I believe in words of wisdom, word of knowledge. I believe in God telling us to, to speak to a congregation. I have no problem with that. But I remember seeing this one time growing up in church. I remember this man standing up with tears in his eyes. And it was just such an awkward time. It was right before the pastor was supposed to preach. And so things are winded down and the focus begins to shift on, on the pastor and on the word of God. And this man stands up and he says, God gave me a song that he wants me to sing. Well, so that we wouldn't hurt that man's feelings, we let him come on up and do it anyhow. Are you hearing me? Had nothing to do with God. Had nothing to do with church. We didn't want to offend him. We didn't care there may be unsaved there. We didn't care there may be people that, that, that are going to go home and contemplate ending their life. We didn't care about the hearts and the lives of people. We cared about not offending that man that was out of order. And so he stood up and he said, God just right now told me I need to sing that song. And so he walks to the front and it's amazing what I saw because he pulled out of his pocket a cute tape. And he takes it back to the, to the man running the sound and he pulls out of his other pocket the words because he didn't even know the song. And he tried to sing it and the man couldn't sing to save his life. It was the worst sound that you've ever heard in your life. And the words that he said were this. Don't listen to the sound of my voice. Just listen to the words so we can praise Jesus. And people began to say, bless his heart. Amen. God bless him. Thank you, Father, for the move of the Holy Ghost. That wasn't the move of the Holy Ghost. Because God's not a God of, God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. And listen to the, to, to the words, the man's words. If you let someone speak long enough, you'll know their heart. The man said, don't listen to my singing. Just listen to the words. 
And there was nothing wrong in, in what he had said, but it was a false humility. You know what he wanted us to do? Oh, buddy, I thought you sounded wonderful. I thought you sounded great. I thought you did awesome. Why don't you go ahead and join the choir and come on up here every single week? And they let him continue to do that stuff, and the man couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Which means God never anointed him or gifted him to do that anyhow. He just wanted to do it because he wasn't called to preach. And the only other thing he could do to stand in the limelight to get on a platform was to sing a song and try to work his way through it. But that happens week after week after week all across America. We try to elevate ourselves to a place where the focus and the attention is centered on me and my needs. And most of the time, uh, Bishop Matthews preached a couple Sundays ago and gave us statistics on prayer. That the average American in, uh, Christian in America prays about three minutes a day and the average preacher prays about ten minutes a day. And I got news for that. Probably two-thirds of that prayer is me, me, me. Give me, bless me, anoint me, lift, give me. Give me money, give me help, give me. Are, are you hearing me? And we have no idea. No idea why revival can't break out in the church. It's because revival is never broken out in our heart because we're not willing to get real with God and say, God, I'm just going to love on you and worship you and praise you for a little bit regardless of what you do for me. Because what he did for me, he did on the cross. The reason I can have healing, prosperity, joy, peace, righteousness, anything that he can ever give me is all because of the cross. I'm not trying to get something from him. I've already got something from him. I'm just waiting for it to come into manifestation. I'm not trying to get things from him. He's already done everything he's going to do for me. He has already died on the cross. He took upon his own self my sin. He took upon his own self the very law and, and, and the very things that separated me from a holy God. And he died bearing that sin, shedding his blood and crying, it is finished. And when he went to heaven, the Bible says he as a high priest sat down on the right hand of God the Father. There was no chair in the holies of holies because the high priest could never sit down. Because while the sacrifice went on here on earth before Christ, before the cross, there couldn't be a chair in there because the work of the high priest was never done. Yeah, you might have just killed a lamb and had your sin forgiven for a year, but there's more work to do. There's a sin offering. There's a grain offering. There's a love offering. There's a peace offering. There's another lamb. You messed up again. We're bringing another lamb, another bull, another goat. He can never sit down because if we would really face the reality, I'm not trying to put us down. We're, we are who we are by the grace of God. We are somebody now, but only because of Christ. But me within myself and my, my own humanity, come on. I cannot stand as Jim Totten and even begin to compare to a holy God. I can't stand as that person and try to even compare to him. I am what I am because I'm covered by the blood. I am what I am because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I am what I am because his righteousness has been imputed onto me. Not of myself, so I can't boast. But it is a gift of God that gives me eternal life. It is a gift of God. So this scripture we read, he says there to his disciples, his disciplined, learned followers, who, what are people saying about me? And he's setting them up. He's saying, what are, who do people say that I am? And they're just telling him. Well, some people think you're John the Baptist. And it's amazing because, uh, you know, they didn't even believe in uh, 
and, and th- that people could be raised from the dead. But they're saying, well, we believe you're John the Baptist, even though we know he's dead. We believe you're Elijah, even though we know he's dead. We, we believe you're Jeremiah, even though we know he's dead. So they're messing up their own doctrinal theology. They're messing up and going against everything that they say they believe in. And so he's saying, but who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up as the leader of them all. And he said, I say you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, that's why you're blessed. He said, because my father didn't reveal this to you by men or enticing words or because that's what the church believes or because that's what the preacher preaches or because that's what your friends believe. So often we cling to a denominational title and we cling to a, an organization and we take so much part of that and there's nothing wrong with that unless you leave Christ behind. This is a church of God secondarily to the body of Christ. Jesus is our father. Jesus is our brother. That God is our father. And so when we look at these things, he begins to say, who do you say that I am? Well, I believe that you are the son of the living God. And he says, this was revealed to you by my father, which is in heaven. And then he begins to say, you're blessed because you understand this revelation. And he says, And upon this revelation of you knowing who I am, upon uh, this will be the rock that I build my church upon. I will build my church continually upon uh, level to level, realm to realm, and glory to glory. I will build my church as far as they can go based on their revelation of who I am. That's why we have people sitting in the church for 20 and 30 years that are babes in Christ. That's why we have people standing behind a pulpit that can't get past John 3.16 to feed his flock because he's a babe in Christ. Because he can only take you as far as as his revelation of Christ is. He can't take you into that. Listen, man, I came out of a church that didn't, that, that didn't believe a lot of things that I believe now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. As far as to put them down or belittle them or look down our noses at them. That's not what I'm saying. I've gone to different churches all over the place. And every time I've gone somewhere, I've learned something new about God. But if you could almost combine all of them, it would be awesome. Because what that pastor could only do is take that church as far and as high as his revelation of who God is. Are you hearing me? Because there were some churches I went into that that, believe, that taught me that that you know if I if I wore shorts even in my secular life, I'd go to hell. See, he had the revelation of holiness. He had the revelation of the holiness of God. Then I had a pastor who who believed in the grace of God. I had a pastor that began to teach me that, that God loved me, that God was there for me. There was nothing I could ever do that would separate me from the love of God. And he took me a little bit further in that area. I had a pastor that began to teach me about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I realized, man, that means today we can actually listen to the Holy Spirit and have him inside of me. And I can do things, he can do things through me that I don't just have to come and be a, church, a pew warmer in, in the church. But he said to them, he said, based on this revelation of who I am, that's what I can be in your life. 
And so what I say to you this evening is simply this. Who do you say that he is? Because we can listen to a doctrine preached, but we cannot live on the faith of our pastor. Are you hearing me? And we can't live on the faith of our pastor. I can't live on your faith. You can't live on my faith. And I'm glad that we have a pastor that preaches the word of God. I am. I'm glad we have a pastor that challenges us and pushes us and and begins to show us revelation, take us deeper. I'm proud of that. I'm happy of that. I, 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 I boast about him. I love to hear that man preach. But if I don't have the same revelation that he has, I can't go where God wants to take him. If I don't have a vision for my personal life, if I can't catch his vision for this church, I'm not a help, I'm a stumbling block to the moving of the Holy Spirit because it all comes back to this. It all comes full circle about what we talked about and what we heard tonight in worship and and heard the Holy Spirit speak to our heart. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is about him. It is not about some celebrity preacher that could spit on you, dump oil on you, roll you around like a chicken with its head cut off. It's not about any of those things. It is about him. It is not about the name over your door of your church. It's not about the job that you have. It's not about the position that you have in the body of Christ or in the secular world. It has nothing to do with you and I. Nothing. Other than to be obedient to do and be who God called us to be. And do what God called us to do. But the glory and the praise and the honor cannot go to me. It cannot go to the pastor. I honor him. I honor him as the man of God. I honor him. I honor his position. I honor everything that he does. But I can never hold him and he would never expect any of us to hold him at a higher value than we hold Jesus Christ in our lives. Because it's not about him. It's about lives being changed. And so what happens is you've got people all over the world following the Benny Hinn crusades because they're expecting to receive something from Benny Hinn. They're expecting to receive something from a man when it has nothing to do with Benny Hinn. It has to do with a God that loves his people. It has to do with a God who wants to touch his, his people. Who do you say that I am? I ask you that this evening because that's just when God has began to deal with my heart. When I really began to worship and praise God this evening, I, I, I told God, I said, all right. Convicted for, for him speaking that to my heart. I said, you know what? Every time, if I even begin to have another thought about me or anything like that during my praise and worship time, I'll stop and start over. It's a habit I've created. You understand? See, it's a habit I've created. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to slip, all right? Because we're so used to worshiping ourselves. That we forget about him. It's become a habit now. And so I began to praise and worship him. I began to look back over my life and I began to, to thank him for what he's brought me out of. And as I began to do that, something on the inside of me began to stir up. Because it renews and refreshes my faith in him. It tells me if he's done that for me then, he'll do it for me now. And if he'll do it for me now, he'll be with me tomorrow because he is an ever-present help in my time of trouble. He is, he is my God regardless of my situation. Who he is and his standards do not change. 
He is always my comforter, even when I don't feel comfort on the inside. I promise you, if you begin to praise him for who he is, comfort and joy and hope and peace will begin to rise up on the inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of every single born-again believer. And the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. On the inside of you, man, you're not trying to pray down some God that's sitting in heaven. You're not trying to reach some God that's far off. The Bible says he is nigh me, even in my mouth, he is nigh me. When I call on him, he is there. He is Emmanuel. He is the God who is always with me. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He is always there. And I stand worthy that I can walk boldly today into his throne to receive mercy in my time of need. Why? I stand worthy. And that's not an arrogant statement. I stand worthy because of who he is and what he's done for me. When I begin to put myself down... I begin to really say what you did for me wasn't good enough. When I do not stand on the level of what he has called me to be, and when I begin to put myself down and degrade myself and say, I bow my unworthy head to you, I begin to say what you did to make me in right standing with the Father was not good enough. I stand wholly worthy. I can lift up holy hands this evening, not because of my deeds, not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. I am new in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. I'm not waiting to be, yeah, but you messed up today. I know, but he had that sin on himself on the cross. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. It was already done. It was already finished. And musicians, I'm almost finished, so you all get ready and come on. I've told this story before, I I don't think to anyone here, but God spoke to me and showed me a revelation about who he is about three years ago. And it's one of those times, and everyone's got one, everyone's got uh, what, what I call a defining moment. You've been saved, but, you know, you've been going through a problem, you've been going through a situation, and, and there is that defining moment when God ministered to your heart. So you never just come out of something. There is a defining moment when God speaks to your heart and gives you an opportunity to walk with the word or to stay right where you are. Children of Israel were in in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years for about a week and a half worth of a journey because they couldn't get past the Egypt. Couldn't get Egypt out of them. Couldn't learn their lesson. And God tried to bring them, tried to bring them, tried to bring them, and they kept passing it down. Until finally he had to wipe out a whole generation and start all over again because of the hardness of the hearts of the people of the children of Israel. But I was at the coal mine. I used to, um, I, I'm a sales rep now for a company, but I used to be a, a uniform driver. And my territory on this day, it was on a Wednesday. It was in uh, over, up over Bolt Mountain in, in, down in Buck, Beckley, West Virginia, in that area. And the way you get to Bolt Mountain is you get off Harper Road and and you drive all the way down Route 3, and it takes you through Glen Daniel, and, and you just keep driving forever. If you end up over on the other side of the Bolt Mountain, you're in Oceana, and it's, it's out there. And so I was driving up this mountain, and, and it's Bolt Mountain. The mountain is so high that it, it snowed there on top of that mountain before when I've been there, and I come back down, it's like a spring day when I get down to the bottom of that mountain. There's always fog on that mountain because the elevation of this mountain is so high. 
There's a place in this mountain when you begin to go up, there's a pull off there and, and you can look out and you're eye level, it seems like, with all the other mountains and you're only halfway up this one. It's a dangerous mountain. There have been people wrecked on that mountain and they've never found them before. And, and I had to go to the top of this mountain and turn right and take this dirt road all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain to get to a coal mine. And I make it all the way down to this coal mine and it starts raining. And I'm, oh, Great. See, my experience had told me every time I'm at the bottom of this mountain, it's so high and it's so steep in the truck that I'm in, if it begins to rain or snow or anything like that, I am stuck at the bottom of it. They used to have to get dozers and pull me up out of there, and I used to have to wait for hours and hours for, for them to have free up time to come get me. And so it begins to rain, and, and I'm delivering the clothes, and all of a sudden, man, what I call a golly washer just came down. I mean, it's raining so hard, I couldn't have seen the front pew. And I just, I'm so tore up. I'm just tore up. And I walk in, the man's name that worked there was Bob, 62 years old. Dropped out of school. He'd been working in the mine since he was 14 years old. And I walked in, just sat down beside Bob, didn't say anything because I was taught if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And I sat down beside Bob and he said, what are you doing? So I'm waiting for you to call that... uh, dozer to come hook me up some chains up and pull me out of here he said what for I said Bob are we really going there you see me here every single week Bob and you know if it rains if it snows if it does anything that truck will not make it up that hill he said it will today I said Bob last week I got stuck right here in a sprinkle shower and you're telling me as hard as it's raining We can't even see my truck at this point because it's raining so hard. I step out of this truck. I got mud almost up halfway up my calves. I said, you're telling me that with this rain, I'm going to be able to make it up up there. He said, yep. I said, Bob, I need you to call. I need you to call me a dozer. He said, I'm not doing it. He said, unless you go out there and get in that truck and you try to make it up that hill and fail, that's when I'm going to send someone to come rescue you. I said, all right. So I'm mad, and I walk outside in the rain. My shoes are muddy. I got mud all the way up to my knees at this point. I'm mad, trying to hold on to every bit of salvation I can hold on to. Upset, tore up, mad, frustrated. It's been a bad day all day, and I still have 14 more places I got to go to. And this man's going to make me walk out to this truck and try to get up this mountain. And now I'm going to have to go back through the mess, back through the rain, and start over where I asked him to take me to begin with. And I got in that truck and I started up. And I said, well, I'm not even going to get a run for it because I don't want to slide and all that. I just, I really want to prove my point. And I begin to go up this mountain. And I look and I just keep moving. I'm moving slow, but I keep moving. Not a wheel spun. I drove all the way to the top of that mountain without spinning one tire. And I got up to the top of that mountain and I called Bob. And I said, Bob, what did you did you do something different with the road? Nope. How did you know, Bob, that I could make it up that mountain? He said, Because my revelation of that mountain is greater than yours. And I know. That when it sprinkles all that mud and sludge on that road just 
begins to bear you up. He said, but the years have taught me that when it really begins to rain hard, it does more than just mud up. It begins to rain so hard that it begins to wash it all off the mountain. All the way down to the bare rock. And so if you begin to see all of that sludge, that's what held you up. It wasn't the rock. It was all the mud and all the gunk and all the sludge that would get your tires bound and you couldn't go any further. He said, when it really begins to rain and pour, he said, the, the rock of that road is exposed and you can go anywhere you want to go in any vehicle you have. I'm here to tell you, friend, if we will begin to open up our hearts to a holy God and admit to ourselves before our God who already knows the shape that we're in anyhow and begin to say, it's not my mama or my, or my daddy or my friend, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not the, what the pastor did. It's not what that church member did. It's not what they did at work. It's not about what they said about me. God, I'm the one in the mess. And if we'll begin to open our hearts up to him, he will begin to bring a cleansing and a refreshing to our hearts that won't leave us down in the valley of where we are. How many times have you ever tried to make it up a hill and you get just a little bit up and you start spinning only just to go right back to where you were? That's not how the kingdom life is supposed to be. We're supposed to go from realm to realm to realm to realm to realm to realm to realm. There is no backsliding in the kingdom of God. There is no yesterday in the kingdom of God. There is no broke, busted, and disgusted in the kingdom of God. There is only good things in the kingdom of God. Because every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Within Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He is a good God. Regardless of what you're going through, He is a good God. He is a good God. And He loves me. And I stand before you today cleansed and worthy because of what He did for me. I don't stand before you condemned. I stand before you as a free man today because He is worthy. And what He did for me was more than good enough. If we can begin to let God see our hearts, this is what, this is what it takes. Stand to your feet. This is what it takes. God can only change my heart the more that I know His. I've got to begin. I can teach people a lot of things. I've got a Bible degree, and, and that's nothing. I'm not bragging on that, but what I'm saying, I've got a Bible degree, so I can sit you down and show you how to study. I can show you hermeneutics, homiletics. I can take you to a lexicon and teach you how to break down the Greek and the Hebrew and show you all these things. But none of that matters to a hill of beans unless you have a revelation of who he is. None of that matters. None of it. And so, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, we want to invite you to come and accept him as your Savior. But I believe that there's people here tonight that, man, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Man, it doesn't mean... Listen, I'm not bound up in, in, in what we would call grotesque sins. I'm not, I'm not bound up in pornography. I'm not bound up in, 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 you know, I'm not out drinking and cussing and all these things that we would categorize bad sins. I just had some heart issues. I had some anger issues. I had some issues where I would snap at people. But those issues clogged my heart. And when they begin to clog my heart, I can't move any forward in God. I finish on this. My grandfather... 
he had a heart catheterization a few few weeks ago. And I didn't know anything about heart catheterization. I've never really known anyone that's had heart trouble in my family. So it's amazing what they did. Because they went in through his groin. And they go all the way up through these veins somehow. You all, some of you know better than I do. And they go down into his heart and they find the blockage. Well, they shoot some dye in there to find out what's going on. I need to see the clear paths and I need to find the paths that are bound up. They found the blockage. And they reached in and they grabbed that blockage. And, and I don't know if they pulled it. I don't know what they do. But anyway, the blockage, you know, they were able to put a stint in and open him up. And, and he was fine. And the next day I was reading my Bible. And I was reading about girding ourselves with truth. You understand the body of Christ, what you, you and I are going to have to do is begin to gird ourselves with truth. We're going to have to begin to gird ourselves with truth. Because the rock that God builds our relationship on is upon the revelation of who He is. And we cannot know who He is minus the Word. So many opinions today, and none of them matter for anything. I got news for you, honey. Ain't no Democrat or Republican going to help you out of the mess that you're in. There is a God that's going to help you out of the mess that you're in. And the only way you can help us out of the mess that we're in is if we open up our heart and say, God, I need you to see my heart. But the only way I can compare and change my heart is if I see yours. And so if you're here tonight, listen, the real simple message, I just wanted to encourage you tonight. If you don't know Jesus, man, make that move. Ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. You're worthy. He's already died for you. Price has already been paid. If you're here tonight and you're going through something, you just say, you know what? It's none of anyone's business what I'm going through. But i got to touch him. I need him to clean up my heart. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you are right now and it matters where he is. We don't need to know your business. But if you want to come and you want to pray tonight, we want to invite you to come as well and let God minister to people.